Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Keeping Her Keys podcast. Today, I am so happy to be joined by some very special guests. Um, first, I'm going to introduce to the podcast uh, Nishida, who is the Covina Moves educator. She teaches our movement classes, which are dance classes that incorporate uh, spiritual and magical aspects set to a song that is related to the current study focus. So it's a really complex layered um, sort of movement class that she puts together every month in Covina. And you'll also see her with me at Camp Hecate in Michigan this summer. So I hope you all can join us for in Michigan on the July long weekend. All right. So I feel like, although it's Nishida's first time on the pod, uh, Nishida and I are like the co-hosts welcoming our guests into uh, the podcast, into the Keeping Her Keys world. So we are joined by these amazing witches from the Witches Working Out podcast, Genosha and Lauren. And how this all came to be is that a few months ago, um, they sent me an email asking if it was okay to use one of my meditations in their work. And I said, sure. But I had that moment where there was like that little ping and you know what I mean? Like you feel like mm, there's something here. Um, and so I asked Nishida if she might be interested in doing a podcast with the two of them. We listened to, I think you had your first episode and then we were like, yeah, yeah, these two are really interesting. And we are 100% aligned with their mission of helping witches to become more embodied, uh, become physically stronger, and to feel more at home uh, in their corporeal selves. As witches, of course, we often uh, tend to naturally gravitate towards the liminal, the etheric, what is not physical. Um, and yet, um, we are in physical bodies connected to our physical selves. So that's why I wanted to have them on uh, to just explore all of this in a really great conversation. So thank you so much for joining me and Nishida. Thank, thank you so, you so much, much for having, having us. us. <laughs> that was good. Syncing up, like synchronized swimming or something. <laughs> thank you as well. Okay, so... We've been meeting for a little bit, as we always do with the, the podcast. I like us to kind of come together and have a chat so we can see where the conversation flows. And one of the really interesting things that the two of you said in our meeting was just about the whole idea of like being in your body. And, you know, I think when this is a huge topic, I know for a lot of my listeners and my students, like the, the experience of being in your body because of trauma, because of chronic illness, um, that can be really difficult just to like be in our bodies. So it's like, we're not even ready to like put on our shoes or put in our AirPods or do whatever because we're just, we dissociate from our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I think I, that's kind of like, for me, that's like the, big thing I'd like us just to spend some time talking about is like, how do the two of you like get yourself back in your body? Well, 
the um, the idea for our podcast came very much around the idea of this question. How do we embody, how do we get into our body and connect our spiritual work with what we are doing in this reality? Um, and there are so many different programs and resources. And I know personally, um, as a, an athlete in my younger years, and then going through some illness and chronic pain and um, now currently perimenopause, which is like pretty much kicking my ass. In fact, I just had a hot flash and I tried not to do it like, <laughs> but I'm going to do the next one. Um, Everybody here understands. Like oh, if you need to like strip off your clothes or run outside, like no oh. one here will raise an eyebrow. <laughs> but, you know, trying, uh, you know, working to move my body um in ways that brought me to greater wellness um and wholeness with um a body that was not working the way it used to and you know mm -hmm. my digestive tract that is not doing what it used to and my sleep schedule which is not doing what it's used to um and i felt like combining that with what i was learning um uh, uh, through through our richie work that that brought the greatest feeling of of wellness and like kind of like hopefulness too honestly for me oh, i love that you landed on hope hopefulness mm -hmm. because i for me you know ultimately like to, to to be able to move at all is is hopeful yes yeah. right like there is hope whether you know you can do a little spinning in your chair <laughs> or, you know, you can hike mountains, whatever it is you can do, you know, there's that hope and that feeling of connecting to the deeper world and our witchiness and finding all of those layers um, when we're out there moving and, and grooving in Nishida's case, because Nishida, of course, is an accomplished dance instructor and studio owner. Um, so thank you for that. Lauren, what are your thoughts on how do you get back in your body? Well, I was, I was thinking that um, for people who have had either, well, if, you're, if your body never has done what you've kind of wanted it to be able to do, or if you've had things that, you know, like you were talking about, prevented you from doing things the way you used to do, and especially also for people who've had not the greatest relationship with their body, um, how do you kind of come together, like to have a good relationship with exercise and movement? Um, if you're sad or mad or angry or not, you know, in, you have some negative feeling about it. But then also from a witchy perspective, that so much of it is about your intuition and your confidence in yourself. And if you don't feel confident in your physical self, then it's going to affect the rest of it. I mean, that's a, it's a very psychological thing. So how do you get to a point of feeling like powerful and well and like you like where you are physically as well as mentally and spiritually mm -hmm. and so all of those things they just go so closely together that you can't you can't have one without the other and you kind of almost feel like you you should be able to like you you feel like you know you do a mm -hmm. lot of this, your your witchy work your spell work your whatever you're studying and then but that that's still so closely related to the way that you move yourself. So, so well, so so well said. Yeah, beautiful. So Nishida, um, 
I know you have a lot of thoughts and you and I talk a lot about this, about, you know, like how do we encourage others um, to move and to get back in their body? And I know you've had a lot of experiences, um, like your, your personal journey with your body. Um, you've yeah. been so open and brave and sharing that. And I would just love to hear like where you're at now with like being in your body as a phenomenal dancer and instructor. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so to share with both of you about my journey too, is I've, um, I've always had to be extremely active with like autoimmune issues and things like that um, to even be in that mindset of like being fit, you know, and all of that. And, um, so just having to always move. And then I grew up in a house where like dancing and music was very big. So I always was moving. And as I got older, I taught a lot of classes, um, in a classroom and then also in, uh, in a studio. And I just knew that that was how I felt like I could help heal people and then in turn myself too because I would use it for myself at home um but it's always been a struggle and then I within the last like three years I have learned a lot um like about I guess I I received a couple diagnoses for health and chronic issues and it was it was nice to finally hear about the issues that I have that way I knew what was going on, but it was also, how do I not let that interfere with my journey and trying to heal too? Um, so I have, I have an injury from my shoulder um, and I, in 2020, I had a miscarriage. So I got really angry at my body mm. and it was about like three or four months in. And because it was during um, the shutdown my uh, appointments kept getting pushed further and further. So I didn't really know anything until about close to the four months. Um, and I was really, really angry, very, very angry. And I, the like week after, um, because the my doctor had said, well, you know, go ahead and, and move whenever you feel comfortable. So I was just like, well, this is my job. So I'm going to go move when I want to. And then I pulled my Zoas and it was just like all kinds of stuff. So, and uh, then I got remarried. I had already had a divorce like the year before. And so it was just like all these things just kind of adding up. So it was like the, the grief and the loss of that. And then just all of um, you know, like you mentioned the perimenopause and I have osteoarthritis. I pulled stuff on my shoulder and I have PCOS and adenomyosis and all these different things. And it was just so much, which eventually led me um, amongst financial things with COVID and just the stress. Um, it was just brought me to that journey of closing that chapter. Um, so I took the time to focus on healing um, and as we've all mentioned how we have a hard time uh, when we were talking before this on doing stuff for ourselves I definitely had a lot of help with my husband and 
my dad was staying with me. He lives overseas and he was staying with me at the time. And my dad and my husband sat me down and were like, now you need to heal. Like now's the time for you to, to do nothing. Um, and by that point I had started, um, doing some classes within Covina. Um, and I just felt like, even though I was still moving and, and doing things that I had just said, I'm, I'm not going to do this right now. <laughs> it, uh, it was such a difference in, in bringing it to like the really big healing aspect. Um, and that has really helped me in my journey to realize it's okay. Like to feel exhausted and to feel sad and to have all these things and, um, and I lost uh, my dog, which I know it's a dog, but I had it for 11 years and she was like my baby. Um, now I have two stepchildren. Um, so it was just like when I can give myself the permission to still be okay to move and do things for myself and heal. So I'm kind of at that moment where I've... Um, very much into I just want to enjoy movement I just want to feel good I I love um really sensual type of movement and not so much as in like oh sexy sexy like type of movement but just the the feeling of smelling things and having like my sacred smoke and then just enjoying what I feel really in the senses aspect and doing that within Covina has been very helpful for me. So Cindy, I thank you so much for that. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at, just really learning about healing for my, for myself. And of course, you know, for others, but it's been quite a journey for, for me too, and to incorporate it into all of my, I guess, like we said, our witchy practices and everything that we do, it's, um, it's been really nice to like tie it into something. It just makes it so much more meaningful for me. That's so beautiful. So now that we've kind of all circled together, I think it's probably time for us to do our little candle lighting ritual that we always do at the start of these episodes. So if you're watching or listening along with us, I invite you now to grab your candle and light it as well. And this is a simple movement um, and you can expand this to be more of an embodied practice. Um, Nishida and I have been teaching different ways of doing this, but the simple movement is in your left hand, uh, just moving that arm in that counterclockwise direction, creating that circle. And that is the energy of cleansing, purification, and banishing. So just hold space with that motion and see that counterclockwise circle of fire that you're creating as cleansing yourself and your space. And now you can switch your candle. And if you don't have a candle, just do your work with your hands. And now let's cast that circle clockwise, bringing in the energy of protection, 
and connection. Connection to all of us here, all four of us. Connection to your own body. You know, just really focus on that motion of your arm, however you're able to do it. You know, and think about those muscles, the ligaments, the blood, the bones. Think about the breath that makes it all possible. And for our invocation today, I invite you all just to take that moment of reconnection. You can close your eyes or soften the gaze into the candle. And let's just breathe. You know, when we talk about working out or movement, it can feel so daunting and overwhelming. We might not have the capacity to do it. We may have physical limitations. We may get caught up in like shadowy things like perfectionism and all of that business. But if we just focus on the breath and the simple movements, you know, like think about what we just did. We cast that banishing cleansing circle and then we cast that nourishing protecting circle. And just breathe here and just let your body be known to yourself for a moment. And you can do a little bit of what they call a body scan. Just noticing if there's any spots where you have some tension. Any aches and pains. And noticing the, the, the pieces of your physical self that are in that place of equanimity that have no aches or pains that aren't placing any demands on you at the moment. And just visualize that beautiful, clever, which is mind, just sliding down into your body. Not projecting outwards into the world, but turning the gaze down to this beautiful, incredible, miraculous whatever state it's in, uh, physical home that our souls are connected with.
wiggle your toes, wiggle your fingers, whatever you're capable of doing, wiggle your butt a little bit, you know, with, move your shoulders, whatever it is you're capable of doing, just some gentle movements here, just to really bring that alignment with that amazing mind of ours, with our physical self. And this is a really simple practice that you can do anytime. Um, and, you know, the, for me, the first step, so, I mean, if you listen to the podcast, I recently talked with Amy Blackthorne about uh, being a well witch and my own journey with compulsive exercise and as part of my eating disorders. And when I think back on all of that time, I was not aligned with my body. My body and I were at war. Mm-hmm. I wanted my body to look a certain way um, so I could be powerful as a woman because I think the conversation when we talk about working out and movement um, for women in particular, but also sadly for the other genders as well, is the compulsion to work out in order to inhabit a socially acceptable body. And that was that was my prime motivation. Um, I mean, I did like running, but my prime motivation was always to be like a certain size and to look a certain way, in particular um, as a professional that um, and coming from a family of people who are naturally not slender um, and having my whole life to be like a combatant against my whole genetic makeup. It, it seems so badonkadonk to me now. I don't know, like that, that's the word I use to describe it because it's like, like I never had a, like I don't battle the fact that I'm five foot two. Like, you know, like, but I battled my genetic makeup, which is quite curvaceous um, and, and yet healthy as well. Like, you know, I'm very healthy. I'm healthier now being the size I am than I was when I was like working out excessively and doing all the things I used to do. Um, so for me, it's just been like getting to know my own body. And for me, as someone who has uh, a lot of chronic pain, that noticing the parts of my body that aren't in pain has been like a really powerful uh, practice for me because we you know naturally like when the pain signal goes our all of our energy goes pain 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 we need to deal with it but with chronic pain it's not like we got bit by a bug you know it's probably not going anywhere we can make it better but it's probably going to still be with us so like noticing the good is always like a practice I think is really important um, when we go into working out or moving, whatever we're calling it. I like to call it just moving because working out, you know, working out, like I love that you call the podcast that. So I wanna, I'm curious, um, why did you decide to call it, which is working out? Yeah, I wanna know too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so we, uh, our episodes are split into kind of um, a discussion segment and then a, a workout. And so um, we talked about our witchy work and our physical movement. And so it's our inner work and our working out. Yeah, and so, so witches work in. Work in. And then witches work out. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're just working. Yeah. We're working in and out. 
Yeah. I love that so much. And then the idea also that like, so the first part you could listen to while you're driving or doing whatever it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then it'd be like something simple to, to either like learn if you're just starting or to practice, because I love, you know, it's really nice to learn all the different ways people do things. And then your workout is movement while you practice what we shared in the first part. So it's all these like little steps forwards, you know, um, and makes it, I, I feel like very easy to, to show up, um, and to learn something, to be encouraged, to move your body in, you know, ways that are, um, achievable and also, you know, entertained by our dark humor, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a motivation or not a, motivation, a meditation, uh, type of a thing. You know, you think about a lot of times when you especially read about meditation, you know, it's a, like sit in a, you know, comfortable position and you're going to surround yourself with your candles and, Um, for me, that's always been rather difficult. I've really more resonated with walking meditations. Um, and so that was kind of the thing, like you can absolutely, any repetitive movement can get you into that kind of zoned out space where you can meditate. And so, especially if you have trouble sitting, uh, or you sit all the time, you don't want to be sitting, um, you can, you can do a movement of your choice, whatever works for you physically, uh, while you're doing the, the, the workout portion of it. Yeah. And this happened, this like breakthrough happened while I was listening to your shielding, um, episode. Oh, that's really interesting. So that is, I think I called it the presidium shielding. And I think the technique is in entering Hecate's cave as, as well. And that kind of grew out of something that I've been teaching for quite a few years, um, which I call like Hecate and shielding, you know, so it's just, like, but there is that element of moving in it. Yes. You know, there's small movements. It's not a workout. Um, but, you know, th- that idea of like adding rhythmic movement to meditation. And I love how you were saying, Lauren, about like not wanting to sit still during meditation and that walking meditation, anything that kind of gets you in that flow state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, you know, when I used to be such a like exercise junkie or addict that like the flow state was where I needed to get to that state, you know, like, so I really crave that intense workout feeling um, to get to that flow state where I couldn't think of anything else mm-hmm. because I was in flow. So, I mean, and that's all that meditation is, you know, if we're doing it from a healthy perspective to get into flow so we can connect to Hecate or our allies or our own unconscious, whatever it is we're trying to do to get into that flow state, certainly meditation or exercise, repetitive exercise. I do this funny thing. Nishida knows I do this. So I had a really rough year physically last year with the spider bite and with the COVID and other things. And so trying to get back to any kind of like um, disciplined practice, I mean, there was a good three months that I couldn't do anything. And so I eased myself back into um, doing like my squats and leg lifts, like just every day, just doing that because my I have um, lipedema in my legs. So my legs can get very inflamed if I don't move them to whatever I, I can. So I've incorporated, I call like it's, like my nighttime ritual, private ritual um, involving Hecate and my spirit guides and so on. Like I do my squats and my leg lifts and my leg kicks as part of that now. 
So mm -hmm. I stand in front of my private altar and because, you know, like now I don't need to hold on to things, but at first, because I was so weak from having been so ill, you know, I had to like hold on the front of the altar and do my squats. And I would do like chanting, maybe epithets of Hecate um, and so on. There's an exercise in the Keeping Her Keys book about like chanting epithets to Hecate while you're focusing on your breath. So this is just taking it like to a whole other level. Yeah. So now I call it squats for Hecate. <laughs> yeah, that's really like we give these options in our workout section. And one of them is to do sets of 13 mm -hmm. uh, and just squats and push-ups. Mm -hmm. And I mean, literally I'm holding onto my altar uh, when I'm doing a lot of these things like building up, rehabbing my knee. Mm -hmm. So yes. <laughs> yes. Here's to like squats for Hecate. <laughs> yes. Um, or just like, I I'd realized that, um, I usually end up going to the gym at least before we started doing this with teenagers. Um, and I come from a family of wrestlers. So it's, I have a very intense family, all pretty much also boys, uh, boys, lots of boys and wrestling and, and throwing each other around. And, you know, <laughs> you know, um, so I would go to the gym and they're all listening to their like pump up music, you know, they're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. I, I, I just couldn't do it. So that was when I started listening to meditations. And I realized that I've been doing that since April of last year. Um, and that, that was the space I got in when I would do like the elliptical or the rowing machine mm -hmm. or squats. Um, and so that was really where the idea came from mm -hmm. was to just to combine very simple movements with getting in that flow space that you talk about. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> multitasking witches. I love multitasking. Right. <laughs> so, you know, like for me, like I said, for me, this is a super personal topic. So I'm, if I'm like having like a pause attack, where I'm just I'm just kind of thinking like yeah that's right you know like the meditation music and the curtain like curtain music um you know I listen to that so much so you're right like I love that kind of music uh for working out and going to the gym really fascinates me so I live I moved to the country several years ago and so I was always like a gym goer I was a hot yoga studio gal I was all these things when we lived in suburbia so we moved to the country um and I tried for a while to drive like the hour to the yoga studio or the gym and then I was like fuck that right. like you live in a completely beautiful place just go outside Cindy yeah you know, and do your squats at your altar and, you know, do your yoga on your own. But I'm curious, like, I, I, I'm I, trying to imagine, like, if you're at the gym and you've got your, um, you know, whether it's like meditation music or if you're like me and you really like um, anything Sanskrit chanting just floats my boat. Um, or if you're listening to like a Wendy Rule or, you know, some kind of more witchy artist um, and you're in the gym doing that. I'm just curious about like, how do you navigate being in that kind of public space that might not be super friendly to all of your witchy awesomeness um, with your practice? Like, you know, how do you mar marry those two things? 
Well, we might have a different answer on that one. We do have a different answer on that one because I was just thinking about how you have done a couple of recordings in the gym. In the gym. And, and she was saying, you know, I'm 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 sitting here on I think it was an elliptical um and and just doing the elliptical and recording herself talking through the meditation and the, the person next to her was just very much like she was like, like listening <laughs> like very interested in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was good I don't say anything like I I just like I probably have the the most like resting witch face ever at the gym because I don't speak I don't want to I have no interaction with people and I just kind of like a very I zone into it I'm a very recent gym goer I I grew up in the country um and there was nothing in particular for at least 30 miles in every direction um and and I kind of had this weird probably because of my bad relationship with exercising and physical fitness um you know that I I couldn't go to the gym because I would get too involved with xyz thing and I couldn't do that because then I would start doing unhealthy things again Mm -hmm. um but as actually as part of, um, we did a photo shoot with uh, a local like kind of set of artists working together. Um, and Black Sheep Productions. Black Sheep Productions. Um, they're really great. And they're all about empowering women. And they're all, you know, like mothers and small scale artists. And it's really great. And they did a photo shoot that was Viking themed. And um, we got to dress up as Vikings. We got to dress up as Vikings. We were really, and it I, was awesome. I am very much a um, wear a cool outfit for you know some mm-hmm. like like to banish the darkness or wear a cool outfit. I yesterday it was really windy here and I wore a really flowy skirt so that I could walk around and my skirt would yeah like do it do its like witchy <laughs> thing in the wind. I was like yes, this is a happy flowy skirt day because it's windy. Um, so I was really excited about it and we went oh man we need to get we need to like get in shape and do like better in shape, whatever, you know, we're going to be in a photo shoot. This is cool. We got to wear these cool outfits. And so that was, that was what made me go to the gym was being a Viking in this photo shoot. That's where our, our logo picture comes from. We're with like with the archery. Right. And then I'm like this <laughs> it was because, um, anyway, it was from that photo shoot. Yeah. Um, so Coming back to the gym, I'm also a recent gym goer. I used to go to the gym a lot when I was younger, but um, that was because I could walk into the gym and be, you know, I felt very powerful. I was in really good shape. And, you know, um, looking back at that, actually, side note, I was in such great shape. I didn't even get my moon cycle anymore because my body fat was so low. Mm. Maybe I wasn't in the most healthy shape. <laughs> Did I say that? That's actually. Great, exactly. Like the the level of in shape where it is. See no all my muscles. muscles. I was like, I did like a six pack. Uh, yeah. So maybe that wasn't the best. Mm. Um, but I use my headphones. I have really great headphones. Um, and I have to use them because uh, I have something called hyperacusis. Have you both heard of that? Oh, what is that? Can you tell us what that is? I haven't heard of that before. Um, I went through a series of like my body falling apart for a couple of years and we couldn't figure out what it was, um, including like nerve pain, trigeminal neuralgia, which also known as the suicide disease. It's like the most painful thing I've ever experienced. Um, and then a change in my hearing. So loud noises make me throw up. Um and I was a music teacher, an elementary music teacher. Oh, wow. At that point. So that was, that was great. Um, <laughs> uh, 
And it turns out this all has come from a, a neck injury that I had when I was a young child. Um, and the issues with my, uh, my atlas and impacting like the swelling and, and inflammation impacting my nerves. So to my ears and also to my face. So I have to wear uh, earplugs or headphones when I'm out. Um, and so when I go into the gym, I just like, I have, sometimes I have double earplugs in and mm-hmm. then I have these big headphones on and I'm just listening to my podcast and it really helps me actually to take space for myself. Um, because I can't hear anything. <laughs> that sounds like, this just sounds like that was so much, but are you relatively like healthy now, as long as you're doing the things you need to do? <clears throat> it made me have boundaries, mm-hmm. right? And I really struggled with boundaries. Um, and I have boundaries around like things that cause me intense pain because, you know, I couldn't be like, Oh, I'll be fine. I can handle that. It'll be okay. Because I couldn't, it would make me like throw up in front of my students or um, like the pain in my face was so bad. I couldn't leave my house. So as I've worked through this journey of healing, um, I now have much better boundaries. Um, And I'm not in face pain these days, my ears. um, I still have the thing with my ears, but it also gives me such a great appreciation, like to be able to go out in the world and be around children and people and all the things I love because I couldn't do it when I had this nerve pain. You know, I just, that's such a, thank you for sharing that with us, but you know, something that's kind of coming through for me is this whole idea of like going to the gym for many of us is an act of boldness. Mm -hmm. It is. I felt that way. You know, like we have to be bold enough to go into the gym with our imperfect bodies, because mm-hmm. we, we all have imperfect bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like the whole gym culture thing. And, you know, feeling like, I always like when I went to the gym, I always felt like people were looking at me and judging me negatively, no matter what size I was. And I think there's can also be I, I did an episode a few years ago, where I talked about like being the witch in the room. And, you know, like navigating who kind of gets to know that you're a witch, but there's also, it's almost like I'm imagining you standing on the elliptical being witchy. And so I feel like you're being like doubly audacious because you're at the gym, which is an act of bravery. And then you're claiming your, and you're taking up space like as a witch at the gym. So there is just levels of boldness going on on the elliptical machine so i just wanted to take a minute to applaud the two of you for doing Aww. that thank you something that's really i think about that a lot um i and and maybe with the um you know kind of like staring doing focusing my thing at the gym um it, it was like a meme or something i saw and it said you know like i don't want to be beautiful i want to be otherworldly and vaguely threatening <laughs> Um, and that's so much like that's that's me as a witch like that I I'm I'm so I kind of maybe project that at the gym like that's maybe my like leave me alone you don't want to inter like you know interact with that um or try me or I don't know something like that that's kind of my uh my energy when I go in there maybe a little bit intimidating yeah yeah (laughs) and I get I get that I'm intimidating a lot. And I think it's, I always think it's funny because 
I'm like, I'm like ridiculously nice. It's like, I mean, like annoyingly nice sometimes. I just always see the best in people, you know, but I'm also six feet tall. And when I first met her um, and I walk in and I'm like, yeah, I I was, I, when I first met you, you were so tall and you were wearing like camo pants and you were very knowledgeable. It was a a wilderness first aid class, head to toe camo. Man, this person is very intense. And then I like I spent approximately 30 minutes in your presence and went, oh, okay, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that sometimes I fall back on the privilege when I'm in the gym of being uh I mean having a presence that is I guess I don't know if intimidating is really the word, but I don't usually get worried in the gym as much. Um, and a lot of times people give me space, and I think a lot of it is just the way I walk in the room. Whereas I think I have to project that I'm five mm, three, right. so I completely <laughs> yeah. I get you. Um, and uh, I I specifically kind of as a person, I get like, you're intimidating. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm not intimidating. I'm just standing here. Um, but for some reason, that's just kind of been a thing anyway. And so I think that that is kind of like how I give I make people give me space. Yeah, like, even um, though I'm, I'm a very big physical person, you should worry a lot more. Anybody in the world should worry a lot more about pissing off Lauren than me. Like, and Lauren will be like, about to not be (laughs) (laughs) but I think like we're landing on this really important topic that's related to physical movement and exercise which is um giving ourselves permission to take up space yes um and that you know just kind of sticking with this gym scenario which is kind of you know like a high-risk situation for many people Mm -hmm. just because they're being seen they might be wearing clothes that are more form-fitting you know so it's like this whole level of you have to be seen in the gym in a different way than perhaps you can be seen um Mm -hmm. in your regular life Mm -hmm. and like the permission to take up space is so connected to how we express ourselves through movement and exercise like we have to I, i just say have to have to is not the right word but you know, for those who are watching or listening and, you know, you feel like exercise is just a bridge too far. You can't get, you can't walk, you can't walk to the exercise bridge. Um, it's, it's like, I would say maybe the question is, how can you learn to take up more space in your own life? You know, so we do a lot of breath work and, you know, just filling the belly, letting yourself take up all the space you need. And I, because to go to the gym has that element like you have to take up space you have to get on the machine and you might have to like there might be that guy you know that guy when i used to swim at the pool there was a, always a guy in the slow lane that shouldn't have been in the slow lane you know those guys um and i don't mean guy as in man i mean just you know that person who is harsh in your space buzz and how challenging i think that is for a lot of us to just take up the space in the gym, take up the space on the dance floor. Um, and Nishida, like you dance so beautifully and I watch you dance. You just, you just take up all the space. You're like on the pole, on the floor, you're doing this, you're doing that. And so I w- do you have any thoughts on like how you give yourself permission to take up space? 
a lot of thoughts <laughs> trying to organize. <laughs> so it started when, um, and I agree with the, I used to tell my students, you know, when I had the studio, like the hardest part is walking through the door. That is the part, working yourself up and especially going to a studio where there's it's, there's pole dancing. And now it's a lot more mainstream, thankfully. Um, but when I started, it was like the beginning of pole dancing as far as fitness. Um, and you walk in there expecting to like be surrounded by like these gorgeous strippers or something, you know, you walk in, you're like, okay, I have a regular day job and I'm not going to be sexy or anything and fit to these girls. And you walk in and it's just regular people. And um, I think there's a, a power to that. So even, even in terms of going to the gym or anywhere that you go to kind of move or do anything that is, so private for your body in front of other people it takes a lot to get in that space so something that I learned over the years especially in that type of movement world um, and I also train Muay Thai so and as a as you know walking into a huge gym where there's predominantly males just like chopping these like bags and stuff and you're like okay I'm five two and these guys are like six four so it's it's just kind of navigating that whole realm and for me something that I really kind of took hold of was in terms of like the pole dancing world there's there used to be and there still is like a taboo and like a stigma in being sensual and like owning it um but then there's also like a, but I kind of want to know about it and there's like a dark element just the same way with what people think of like witchcraft it's like oh that's dark but I want to know about it and watch a movie about it so the way I started thinking of it with both more so with my movement um because I my um I've been practicing for pretty much my whole life. My mom practiced witchcraft, my grandmother. So I grew up feeling pretty comfortable, but also aware that people in Orlando Lakes, Florida was not, were not comfortable with it. But so it kind of helped me be confident with that as well. But more so talking about the movement, I started seeing as I'm able to walk this liminal space, right? Like this light, this light space that is happy and bright and moving and I feel so good. But then I'm also walking this dark space that everyone's kind of curious about. Mm -hmm. And once I started realizing like I can own that, it almost made me feel like I was stepping into a, like a superpower mm -hmm. that it was not that I'm like, oh, I'm better and I could do light and dark things and I'm, you know, whatever, but it made me not like worry so much about what other people thought um, was going on in my life because I felt so comfortable in having the light and the dark that I really enjoy and it serves me well. It's not hurting anyone else. Um, so yeah, I just kind of see what, what both of you are doing as there's this like 
you know, gym culture, but then you have, you're bringing into like this witchiness to it. It's almost the same kind of two different things like that light and the dark. And so when you go into those places and I've had, um, I've had students as well that are terrified of me um, or people that have known me outside of that environment are like, Oh, she's so friendly. And then when they go in the class, they're like, Oh my gosh, she's terrifying. So it's like, sometimes that just naturally will happen because some people are not like uh, feeling that same emotion. So I wouldn't so much worry about what's intimidating or not. If it feels good for you, I think that's beautiful. And um, I think that's what you're helping other people to, to feel that it's okay to feel those, those feelings. Right. To be yourself and to, and, you know, and to engage in a public space, like in a way that is most comfortable for you. Like you said, it's not hurting anyone, you know, whether mm -hmm. or not, um, you know, like how we dress or the music we listen to, or, you know, if we, I don't know, bring our crystals to the elliptical machine or, you know, whatever it is we might do at the gym or in a public uh, exercise space that might kind of be make us a little bit unique compared to the mainstream, but you're not hurting anyone. And I, you know, I think this also kind of raises for me this idea of many of us are really empathic and can pick up on the energetic signatures of other people. Um, and that when we are like in exercising in a public space, you know, like we, we already talked about that shielding meditation, which I highly recommend if you are exercising with others or in a public space, if you find that exercise like this for you is really daunting because you are getting all this information about other people while you're on the treadmill, you're, while you're on the, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, well, Bill, Bill is cheating on his wife. And I, I don't know, does this ever happen to the, any of the three of you? Like why you're all the time. Okay. <laughs> My life that yeah. all of the time. Yeah. It's hard. It's like, like you mentioned the shielding exercise. It's like creating that sacred space around you, wherever you're going. So that way you can do the thing that you want to do that day. <laughs> right. And it's, you don't, you're not getting information overload because you're yeah. just kind of like picking up pieces of whatever anybody's projecting out into the world. So you don't know that, you know, Susan hasn't paid her mortgage in four months or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like all those pieces of information that I find, like I, I used to pick up at the gym, the headphones helped were really helpful for me. Um, and then not talking to people, like not getting to know people at the gym was because to just not get into that empathic overload business where I'm taking in a lot of information. And that's why I really love living here and being able just to, you know, go outside and do yoga or go for a walk or, you know, because there isn't that element of a lot of extra energy buzz that like that impacts my uh, like movement times, if that makes sense to everybody. There's a lot of other things that can impact like our ability to move or our energy. That's like, you know, like having like that wellspring of energy so we can do a workout. There's a lot of things that can impact it. And I think one of the things that's really been uh, kind of sitting with, I guess, all four of us in different ways 
is how like when we're dealing with grief and loss and how that impacts our ability to do movement um and you know and sometimes the grief and the loss is associated with like physical illness or injuries and like there's that added element but then there's the the whole kind of area that we often go into when we have lost something a job a career um, a beloved then when we've lost someone and so physically we haven't had that kind of you know the we like i'm going to just backtrack the whole thing in kind of mainstream thinking physically we haven't had an injury but I think what like the research from trauma and so on like shows us is that we experience like our emotions in the body we experience grief in the body like it's not something that just goes on. I don't know here in from our eyebrows up like it's in our body everywhere and in our heart in our root right it's in all these it's in our body and. <laughs> how and I know like all of us have been kind of in this dance with grief for different reasons. So I don't know, Nishida, I know you've gone through a big grieving process and you're still probably maybe in, I don't know if you're still in, if you feel like you're still grieving, do you feel like you're still grieving? Oh yeah, I definitely am. And even for uh, things that haven't even happened yet, if that makes any sense. like. <laughs> just the worrying of things because something happened or um, yeah, definitely still, I'm still working with that. And um, Cindy and I had a, a conversation or how long ago it was, but um, you mentioned the fact that I have gone through some of these things as a way that I could also use it to help other, other people feel it too. And that really helped me. Mm -hmm. um, because I really enjoy like helping others, but then it made me realize like, okay, I do have the ability to be helpful. So that must mean that I mean something good. Like, you know, I have some kind of worth, so it made me feel like good too. Um, but there are those moments where I still feel so down or I'll put on a song and get moving. And then like my playlist will kick on another song that will trigger a grieving like feeling and then I'm like oh no I don't want to do anything anymore <laughs> so it definitely is still working through that process but I've um the breathing is like the the thing for me breathing and like opening up because I like a lot um thinking of like somatic or ecstatic kind of movement a lot of times we like our chest and our neck and our shoulders and like right behind our ears, like everything's just like welling up every time you're in that like state of, of moving, you want to get to that flow, but everything is like, no, I can't, I can't do it. Like, cause you just feel there's so many different feelings you'll have with grief. And um, so I really feel like, coming back to my breathing or even if I'm just doing something that like opens me up wide, um, like opening up my, like my lungs is like where I really carry a lot um, in my, in my throat. Um, and we can get into the whole like chakra alignment and everything yes. too. But 
it's just really um, learning what works for you too. But yeah, definitely in terms of the grief, I still feel like I'm working with that because anytime I've been through like a grieving process, it always seems like it's in a different way that I need to recover from it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're so different. (laughs) Yeah, they really are. But I think listening listening to your yourself and what your body needs. Cause sometimes you just need to rest or sometimes you do need to cry. I, I struggle. Um, Cindy has seen me cry, but uh, up until maybe like two years ago, I didn't cry for anything unless it was like for family or someone. But for myself, I was like, do not cry. It's just how I, I was. And now when it comes out, it's like, Oh, that actually felt kind of nice to, to do that. Right. To have that release, to have that catharsis and to see that like that is your physical body doing what it needs to do. Yeah. You know, it's just like you said, it's that part of being, I guess, present with your physical self. But you're right. Like, no, I don't cry. I don't cry. And it's, you know, it's so it's like that's like a little battle that you fight against your physical body and your emotions, Yeah. you know, instead of just saying, well, if I cry, I cry. Like, what is the. What is the deal? <laughs> what, you know, yeah. Why is this a why is this a problem? It's just because it's a natural function of the body. Yeah, I've run into also um, when I've lost a loved one. I ran into I didn't. I thought listening to music or dancing, like dancing for myself, was it was too soon. Like I was wrong. Like I couldn't do this thing because it did bring me, not that it was like my happiness, but it it was like, it was my flow state, my, my way of just enjoying movement. And I, I wasn't so, so sad. And I wasn't sure when is it okay to, to move again? because I was going through that process of the grieving and I wouldn't allow myself that. Um, and that was really hard to, to go through as well. That's really interesting. Like when is like, like in early days of grieving, like when is it okay to allow yourself to have some joy again, you know, in this space of like, if like for you dancing brought you joy, um, what, or going for a walk or whatever it is that might bring you joy, um, you know, in terms of like our physical existence. And that's a really interesting point that, you know, you give yourself permission to do that. I hadn't really thought, I'm just like, that's a really good point, Nishita. Yeah. Um, but of course, I'm thinking back to, you know, actual grief periods in my life. And it's like, you're right. Like, it's like, there is some kind of not only do you not feel like it, but there's also like, is this dishonoring the person who passed away? It's really interesting. Yeah. It's almost like an identity, I think too, you know, like if you're, uh, if you're a grieving person, you shouldn't be a laughing person or, you know, a singing person or whatever, you know, you're doing. Right. Cause you're, you're, you're sad. I mean, you are sad. Of course it's, I'm not, I'm not diminished. The air quotes probably weren't good, but, um, yeah, it, it, it almost is, is kind of like a, will I, it, is it okay to stop with this persona long enough 
to do something else? And like, am I diminishing the grief by doing it? That's so true. And am I big enough to be both grieving and joyful? Yeah, because we've been, you know, Lauren and I have both lost a, 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 a parent in the last year. And I feel like this grief has been a different grief than my previous <laughs> losses um, in that we've been intentionally, well, first of all, showing up for each other, mm -hmm. like at the beginning of our podcast where it says like, you know, for ourselves, for each other and for you, like, because we won't let each other down. Mm -hmm. But we'll absolutely let ourselves down. Yeah. Right. Or we did in the past because yes. not anymore. Yes. <laughs> we're doing better now. But um, <laughs> but you know, we're inspired um to show up for ourselves because we will do it for each other. And then once we realize that we're helping other people through our podcast, then that like energizes us. But we have been able to laugh. In fact, it's been very, I think, healing for us in this time with this this parent loss. Mm -hmm. We've been able to laugh this time. Um, I think I just had a breakthrough on this podcast, Nishida, with something that you just said. Um, so, and I'm totally going to cry. So <laughs> it doesn't fill in everybody. Um, but I lost my dad in 2003 and I never like, never really grieved him or cried about him. I don't, I think it's because Elijah, my, my, oh, well, my son Oh, was was born and I was very tired and there was a lot to do but my dad had a beautiful voice and we would sing together all the time and when I went to the hospital um I sang him our his favorite song it was Edelweiss mm -hmm. and he had a stroke and he couldn't talk to me anymore and I've been in like, you know, bands and uh, being a professional musician for most of my life. And I stopped and I stopped singing. I stopped playing music. And that's been a long time mm -hmm. now. Um, and what you said about giving ourselves like permission to do the thing that we love. I never thought about it like that. It seemed like I'd never grieved, you know, like officially for my dad, like the way I have been for my mom. Um, but I feel like maybe I just offered up my music to him, you know, in some way and didn't give myself permission to, to have it back. And the way you just said that really opened up this understanding that I'm ready to have my music back. <laughs> I'm ready to sing again. That's phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. You know, permission granted. <laughs> you just say like permission granted, whatever ways that you move and certainly like, like you said, singing and performing, exercising, dancing, like just consider this. If you need someone to give you permission, I'll give you the permission. <laughs> Uh, to, to show up for yourself and, you know, to let go of all of those things, even like what you're saying, it's like it was, it was like you're offering to him, you're singing, he died, and you wanted to honor him and grieve him. And 
it was your singing that was your offering in the temple of grief. Mm -hmm. It made me think about how um, I've been, I've been singing quietly. Um, one of your, your rituals. I've been starting to put it to music in my head. Oh, what can I ask? Which one? Um, the try the. I banish all that blocks and binds. Yes. Yeah. So I've been doing that in the morning, and I've been starting to sing it, and um, in the podcast, um, I've been writing the music in the background behind the meditation, mm -hmm. and it makes me very excited. Like. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, like, I, I hope you'll share it with me when you said, I banish all that blocks and binds. I am protected from all harm. I have all that I need to be healthy and whole. And I didn't say perfect. Mm -mm. It says healthy and whole. And I think that's when we're talking about movement and giving ourselves permission to be embodied. Um, you know, it's like breaking up with perfectionism. Um, and breaking up with what we think yeah. society thinks we should be or how we should move. Um, and not like hitching our wagons to, you know, like something that is completely beyond our capability. And I love how y'all are doing those, like, you know, their workouts, their gentle workouts, that most people uh, can do, at least in some way, you know, and that is certainly what Nishida is doing with her movement classes as well, that, you know, we can all move. And we were watching a video the other day. I don't know if you were watching this video too, Nishida, or was it you that shared it? How did I see this video? It was a video of um, like people, older people, like elders, like really elders, like in their 80s and 90s, you could tell. And it was just showing like older people can, you're never too old to move. Did you see that in the shooter or was that something? And it was like they were doing all of these really inventive things um, to keep movement going, like in their 80s and 90s. And I feel like I did, but I don't remember how. <laughs> like we can't link to it in the notes because we don't know where we saw it, but we know we saw it. Um, <laughs> So, but it's just, you know, it's like to be creative about what movement looks like for you. Cause maybe for you, I mean, maybe you can't do squats for Hecate or maybe you can't uh, do a movement class with Nishida or whatever it is, but whatever it is you can do, you know, just to really focus on what you can do and like decouple from, decouple. from those ideas like that you need to look a certain way if you exercise or if you can't do, if you can't train for a half marathon, then what's the point? Or, you know, like all of, all of those things and just like find what is really good for you physically. Like physically for me, what is really good is I love like working around in the yard, working with the garden. Um, I like like painting a room. You know, I like that kind of physicality. I really enjoy that. I find just going for a walk. I love that. And I love dancing. Um, as Nishida knows, like I'm a big like AirPods in, dance for three minutes, sit back down, get back to work. Like, you know, so I just think like whatever brings you joy, do 
in your body and if you can, can incorporate your witchiness in it that's really cool uh, but just be all of you i think that's what we're really i think that's what we've been talking about like just be all of you and be in your body as well and bringing that back to i think something lauren you said at the beginning about uh intuition and confidence mm-hmm. um i feel like why wouldn't we as witches trust our intuition to tell us what movement to do why why wouldn't we have the confidence to believe that our body also knows what is best for us you know we we like follow all these or we have followed all these different ideas and plans and workouts and you know not to diminish those but i feel like in as part of our wholeness let's let's have confidence that our you know our intuition that we use as a witch is also going to you know show us what our body needs you know the movement that brings us joy and that you know that will bring us greater health and that's yeah to to, to kind of build on that also one of the things we talk about um is doing something that you like to do Mm -hmm. like whatever that you know so something you know because you know a lot of people say well I don't I don't like cardio. I don't like lifting weights. I don't like, you know, those things that you're not going to, to start out with. I'm sure that eventually you will build the discipline, um, to have a a more strict routine if you want one, if you want to do that, if you want to do that. But if you, if you don't, then just pick something that you like doing. Like you said, you like Like working in the garden, you you like dancing, you like going for a walk. Um, I, one of the things, um, I'm, I am rehabbing a shoulder injury, um, and part of the reason that I actually had the motivation to really start working on rehabbing it as opposed to just kind of doing the thing where you sort of hope it'll just go away on its own, <laughs> um, is, uh, I was, I was walking in my neighborhood and, um, my neighbor was doing traditional archery and I was like, I love that. I've always loved that. I have a bow that was my grandfather's that I cannot draw very well. Um, it's ancient. It says nothing on it. So I'm afraid I'm going to break it anyway. Like, and that was the bow that I had, but I've always wanted to do it. And so I went, I just kind of walked up to him and I was like, I want to do that too. And he was like, Mm -hmm. okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, I, I got a bow and I was terrible at archery at first. Um, because compound, I don't know if anyone use a compound bow versus a traditional bow, a compound bow, you kind of like, uh, set it. And generally speaking, as long as it's an appropriate weight, you can draw it and shoot it pretty accurately without a problem. Uh, a traditional bow is none of those things. Um, like you have to move in a consistent way specifically to get it to do anything related to what you wanted to do. Um, and so it's to, to me, that is like a very specific mindfulness practice um and also me me breaking up with perfectionism cindy is oh my goodness if i can do that that'll be enlightenment because i am a horrifically bad perfectionist specifically with me um and this like kicks my perfectionism in the ass Mm -hmm. like i mean it just i you oh boy you just gotta be bad at it for a long time before you're good at it yeah, just doing doing something that you like doing and that you're excited about doing uh-huh. is enough to get you started. And so, and don't worry if you suck at it. Yeah, yeah. It, you're good. You're yeah. just just go into it thinking I'm probably going to, and then <laughs> just go from there. Yeah, 
is something I've been thinking about with don't worry about if you suck at it is I'd mentioned I come from a, a wrestling family. Mm-hmm. Um, so here recently women's wrestling has been taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a young person in my life, um, who has started wrestling and she's only one of two women on the team. And uh, man, watching these girls wrestle, like they might lose 30, 40, 50 times in a row until they get that win. But um, it's been really inspiring to me watching how how they're navigating that and their bravery as these these very young you know young women, um, and that it's okay for them to keep being bad at it and keep losing until they get to this point where they have their win or their breakthrough. So welcome to the movement and exercise room in the Temple of Good Enough. The temple of good enough. I love that. <laughs> Where some days we we do our routines and things and go for our walks and put on our shoes and mm-hmm. step on the mat and sit on the cushion and do all those things. And some days we don't. Mm-hmm. And it's the temple of good enough. So it's okay when we don't. Mm-hmm. And it's great when we do. Mm-hmm. And we find and we focus on what we love to do and enjoy doing, even if we suck and we're super awkward at it. Yep. It's good. we are good and we are enough. So thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. Um, Can you just let everybody know where they can find your podcast and everything else that you're up to? Sure. Yes. Um, So we, you can do it on Spotify and iTunes. If you go to our website, which is, which is working out with no G. um, I think all of the, the different places that you can listen to it are on there. It's fantastic. As always, you can find out more about all the things that I'm up to at keepingherkeys.com. Nishida, I know you have um, your own Instagram page as well. So do you want to give us that shout out too? Yeah, it's uh, Nishita's magic and magic with a K at the end. (laughs) So thanks again. I know I've got lots to think of. I'm like, I want to, when we end this, I want to make some notes because there's been so many actual excellent points. So thanks again, everybody. And, uh, Hail Hecate, and maybe do your squats for Hecate.